Right. Uh, so we're uh, ending our Christmas character series uh, that we've been doing in December, where we've been talking about some of the uh, characters in the Christmas story that didn't make the nativity scene, right? And uh, we're actually going to talk about some of the ones in the nativity scene this morning. But we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were the, the parents of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner for the Christ, for the Messiah, Jesus. Without their obedience, without them, uh, the, God's plan wouldn't have come to fruition in the way he had promised in the Old Testament prophecy. Uh, and so we, we saw the next week, we looked at Simeon and Anna, people that had been waiting and waiting and waiting. We talked about what to do while you're waiting. Do you remember what we do? We worship. We worship. We worship while we wait, okay? And uh, all those messages are uh, at the Welcome Center if you want to get the CD. They're also online, vfcthomasville.org. All of our sermons are there, the video and the audio and on whatever podcasting platform you like. So... I've been, I've been thinking, okay, you know, what, I want to talk about the missing character. There, there's a character in the nativity um, that we see. How many of you have like a nativity scene up in your lawn or mantle or table or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty common. I've been thinking there is someone missing from that scene that really has, has is, is almost, I mean, obviously Jesus is the main point, but is, it's, it's such a travesty that that person is missing from the nativity scene, and that person is you. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Now, I don't want to take any glory away from God. I don't want to, we're not talking about anything like that. Uh, Jesus is Lord. We're not, okay? All right, we firmly believe that Jesus is Lord. But you are the missing character in the nativity scene. I'm going to try to convince that, uh, convince you of that this morning, okay? Uh, I want to show you a couple of verses, uh, and I've got them up on the screen. It says, this is Romans 15, 8 through 9. It says, remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came, Christ Jesus, so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. All right, now, every single person in this room, every single person in this city, in this state, in this country, in this entire world, falls into one of two categories, Jew or Gentile. There's no one that's not one of those. And so we see from the scripture, though, that why did Christ come? Why did Jesus come? Well, he came to make good on his, on his promises for a Messiah for the Jewish people. But he also came to be a blessing to the Gentiles so that we might receive salvation through Jesus as well. Okay? So you are covered in that. You qualify for one of those two groups. So you were there in the heart of Jesus on Christmas Day. Here's another one. Uh, Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man, that's how Jesus referred to himself, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Again, Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The New Living Translation says, have fallen short of God's glorious standard. How many of you know this morning that you're not God? So good, good, yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, we're going to have remedial Bible classes for you afterwards. Oh, I'm not God? I thought I was. Yeah, you're not. None of us are, right? 
All right? We are lost without Jesus. We're lost without him. And so, once again, you are being identified. Jesus Christ came, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who had it all together, those who had all the Torah memorized. Those, those who had the money, those who had the good last name, those who had power and influence in the community. No, he came to save everyone that was lost. And that's you and that's me. That's all of us. So he came to save us. We are the reason the nativity scene even happened to begin with. I like to, and I want you to adopt this. This is a little weird. Whenever I see a nativity scene, I, I like to think, hey, I'm there. I'm there. Not because I'm something, but because he's something. See, God is sovereign. God is God. God is amazing. He's powerful. But in his sovereignty, in his power, he has decided to reach out to you and I. So I'm in the nativity scene. Every time I see a picture of the nativity scene, it looks like this to me. I'm like, what's up? I'm there too. I am there. What's up, Jesus? Hey, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, the little lamb down there. What's up? I'm there too. (laughs) All right. And every time you see a nativity scene, you should think, hey, I'm there as well. You are in Jesus' heart. You were the reason he came. You are the missing character. In the nativity scene. I want to illustrate this. I want to illustrate this by by looking at who God specifically told about the Messiah. So we're going to look at some longer passages of scripture here. I'm going to be reading in the New Living Translation. If you've got your Bible app or if that's the physical Bible that you have, you can read along. If you don't, you might just want to listen. Um, just the New Living Translation, by the way, is a really easy translation to understand. It's kind of like the USA Today uh, of the Bible. It's like, okay, now I understand. Because sometimes it can get a little confusing. And so when we do long passages, I like to check that out. And so this is the story. Now, we, now we've been in, in Luke uh, you know, chapter 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus is born here, this is the story of the shepherd and the angels. So we're going to pick up uh, Luke uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 8 through 17. Now, and I want you, as we read this, I want you to ask yourself, why did God specifically tell the shepherds about the Messiah? Okay, as we read this, why would he choose these people? So Luke chapter 2, verse Eight. It says, that night, the night that Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. There were tons of sheep, by the way. And a shepherd was like a regular, everyday job. No big deal. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, during the dedication of Solomon's temple, there were 120,000 sheep that were sacrificed as part of that. Okay, that's like two or three times the size of Thomasville, Thomas County. All those sheep. That's a lot of sheep, Okay. That's crazy. So, so a shepherd was a very, very, very common profession. No big deal. Probably even maybe a little bit lower uh, on the rung of influence and like, wow, you're a shepherd? Like no one said, boy, I hope my kids grow up to be a shepherd. Everyone was a shepherd, okay? 
And, and so, so that's, that's what they're doing. So they're out and they're watching the sheep. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Could you imagine? It's dark, right? Now, there's no, uh, there's no light pollution, okay? I mean, we're in a very dark area. Who knows, you know, what, what the stars and the moon were doing. So it was pretty dark, right? They might have had torches or something like that. But all of a sudden appears uh, in the radiance of the Lord's glory. Not man's glory, the Lord's glory. That's some serious glory. These angels appear and they surround them surrounds okay that means everywhere you look you see okay and the angel assured them and said don't be afraid which is hilarious because what else are you going to be if not afraid when you're out in the middle of a field and you're man he's just your sheep and you're telling jokes with your friend and all of a sudden boom huge angel so much that you can't see anything else i mean that's a good time to be afraid i would think but the angel's like no don't do it don't be afraid Don't be afraid. He goes, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. All people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. Now, the Messiah here is, there would be no question who the angel was talking about here. These were were Jewish shepherds, okay? And they knew that who the Messiah was. The Messiah was prophesied about uh, in their sacred texts. Um, it, it was, um, they were taught as, as little kids that there would be a Messiah one day. I mean, everyone knew that w- what the Messiah and who the Messiah would be. So the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Verse 12, you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby Wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, growing up, reading this, it said swaddling clothes. And as a kid, I used to think waddling clothes. I pictured Jesus like as a mummy, like, what's up? You know, I'm here on earth, mummified. But I I love how it it just explains strips snugly wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Now, this had this... Let's see, we all know about a manger, right? We know that the manger is a feeding trough. We know that it's, you know, we've been... We grew up with this story. But this had to sound really, really weird to the shepherds. You know, in a... In, wait, hold on. In a, in a manger? You mean the thing that animals eat out of? Lying in a manger. And then suddenly, if not the big angel that was huge and filled with light wasn't enough... The angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. My dad and I were talking about this uh, yesterday, this verse, and and, in a couple of different translations, it says, peace on earth and goodwill towards men, right? And this version, it says, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, you might you might make the mistake of saying, oh, well, then maybe it's not peace on earth to everyone. Maybe it's only peace on earth to whom that God is well pleased. Right? You follow? But there's, but there's a problem with that line of thinking. It's just a few verses up. At verse 10, it says, we get, bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So if he's bringing good news to all people, and then they say peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased, then who is God pleased with? All people. Now, I know that's going to mess with you a little bit theologically, because you're going to say, but wait a minute, but I'm a sinner. But, but you, know yourself, you know your innermost thoughts, and you're like, man, I don't know how God's pleased with this at all. Right? 
Do I have the holy crowd this morning or do I have the real crowd? Okay. Okay, I'm just making sure, you know, because everyone's floating around on Christmas Day. Jesus. I mean, I know y'all. Many of y'all, like, cut off people on the way to church this morning. You're like, you know what I'm talking about? Honking your horn. Go! I'm late to meet with Jesus. I know what y'all are like. I know how it is. But here's, here's the theological reality, okay? Here's the theological reality, is that God is well pleased with you. God is well pleased with all of his creation. Does that mean everyone goes to heaven? No. Does that mean that God is always happy with your individual life choices? No. I mean, he has set out, you know, guidelines and rules for you to follow. And he's declared certain things off limits. Why? Because he's just mean and doesn't want you to have fun? No, because he's God. He knows what works best. And he sets boundaries, guardrails up around your life to protect you because he loves you. And so, and, and so we, we, you, you need to understand. If you have a, a tr- trouble thinking, well, I shouldn't be in the nativity. I would never be there. God says he's well pleased with you. He's well pleased with you. Yeah, I know. He knows all your stuff. He's well pleased with you because your value and your intrinsic worth doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with him. Let's keep reading. So when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And you can finish the rest on your own. But so, so after, I love after, you know, they didn't just sit there and say, wow, that was a pretty cool experience, angel, huh? There's a Messiah. What do they do? They, they took care of their sheep. They did something with the sheep, Right. But then they went to Bethlehem. And, and, and they said, hey, we're going to find this. We're going to worship. If this is, in fact, the Messiah, then we're going to do something about it. So why did God send an angel to declare the good news of the Messiah to shepherds? To regular, blue-collar, hired hands. These aren't the scholars these aren't the ones that, I mean, they knew about the Messiah, but they wouldn't have necessarily been able to, like, expound on the theory of the Messiah, maybe tell you all of the Messianic prophecies. Why to these? Because God is pleased with all. That was his message. By appearing to the shepherds, God is pleased with all. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your spiritual lineage is. Whether you've got a, 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 a pastor after pastor after pastor in your family history or, 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 or whether it's, you know, something else, whether it's way worse. God does not condemn you for those things. He is pleased with all, not just the privileged, not just the educated. Everyone. Everyone. I also personally believe that God sent his angel to appear to the shepherds because he knew they'd tell people. I mean, he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> lost my train of thought there. <clears throat> he, he didn't send the angel, I mean, he, God's God, right? He can do whatever he wants to. So, so he could have sent the angel to everyone. 
I mean, he could have like made the angel, like this was a small village, it wasn't a huge area. So he could have like appeared big enough and bright enough and high enough that everyone could have seen. But he appeared to this group because he wanted that group to be the one that carried the message. And so it is inferred that if he has revealed himself to you this morning, that you have a job to do, don't you? God has revealed himself to everyone because he's well-pleased and because he is hoping and betting on the fact that you will share with others. Let's look at the, let's look at the next group. The other group was the wise men. The wise men, all right? Now, in some translations, you're going to see magi. So let's turn. This is recorded in Matthew chapter 2. Now, I hate to tell you this, and, and, and this is, uh, you don't need to take down your nativity scene or anything like that. Um, but but Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 2, the, the, the magi, the wise men, were not there when Jesus was born. Okay, they, they weren't there. It was actually much later, okay, that, that they came. And so I don't want that to throw anyone. Um, I don't want that to mess up your, your nativity. So, like, don't go, you know, don't go, like, you know, trash your nativity scene or something because of that. Um, although that'd be funny. If you do it, record it. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that'd be funny to watch. Uh, so Matthew, so let's go to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read 1 through 12. And it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, we talked about King Herod a couple weeks ago. He was a bad dude. Bad, bad, bad dude. Okay, awful person. Terrible. He was as brilliant as he was maniacally evil. Okay, he was terrible. Um, About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Now, scholars kind of talk about, okay, where where exactly did they come from? And there's actually a prophecy in Isaiah, I believe chapter 60, that talks about the different gifts that the wise men end up giving to Jesus here. Um, But it says, around that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, isn't that interesting? No one had to tell them that there was a newborn king of the Jews. Why? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. See, now, I hope this doesn't burst your religious bubble here, but these guys were pagans. These guys were astrologers. They looked to the sky and to the stars and to the planets, and they had, they had learned how to track what was going on in the sky, and they had learned to read it, so to speak, and to know what was going on in the earth because of the stars. And I know that messes with some of you theologically, because you're like, I've been told that's bad. Well, evidently God used it to get these guys to the newborn Messiah, who was actually probably a toddler at this age. We saw a star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone uh, as, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So King Herod was known for being like uh, power-hungry crazy, all right? I mean, he, he actually killed two of his sons and his own wife because he was worried that they were going to try to take over uh, his throne, okay? So this guy was nuts. He called a meeting of the religious priests and teachers of religious law and said, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? He's trying to figure this out, right? And they go, in Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet wrote, and they quote uh, the prophecy, For you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So they're like, okay, he's freaking out. All right, king of the Jews, that's my title. 
according to the Romans. The Romans have said, Herod, you're king of the Jews. And so now these people come, hey, according to our astrology signs, there's a new king of the Jews. He's just been born. And he was like, oh, okay. Uh, and he gathers everyone together, like, where's this supposed to be? And they say, it's Bethlehem. Um, verse... Uh, Verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star had first appeared. So he's trying to figure out when the baby had been born. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back to me and tell me so that I can go and worship him. Yeah, right. I mean, right? I mean, he's, he's totally, he's, he's, he's going to do something bad because he doesn't want any competition. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, so they aren't in the manger anymore, they're in a house. Okay? They entered the house uh, where Mary and Joseph lived, saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. God spoke to them and said, hey, Herod doesn't want to worship the newborn king. He wants to kill him. And as, we, as you continue to read, you'll see that that's exactly what happened. That Herod had everyone aged two and under in Bethlehem killed. All the baby, boy, all the baby boys killed. And, and an angel warned Joseph and Mary they fled to Egypt for a season. So, but what's the point? What's the point? What, isn't this interesting? So God not only chose shepherds every day, run-of-the-mill shepherds, hired hands, not even the owner, all right, of the area, just the hired hand. He, he revealed himself to them, but then he also revealed himself to these professional astrologers. They weren't even Jewish. I thought Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Well, he was, but he was also the savior of all. Why would he do that? Because, again, God is pleased with all, not just the Jews. Not just the Jews. It's, it's, it's not just the inner circle of the Jews, and it's not just the Jews. It's not just the well-educated and those that look like they should know what's going on. It's everyone. And it's not just the religious. It's not just those with the right, correct spiritual heritage. It's those outside as well. And so he made a point, he made a point to specifically use them using their own language of astrology to tell them about the new king. I also believe one of the reasons is they helped objectively verify the birth of the Messiah. I mean... Right? I mean, it'd be one thing for this one religious community of the Jews to rally around their Messiah. Yeah, this is the one. But to have a group, like, from far away come in and say, oh, yeah, no, no, we, we verify that. Right? That, that's, there was no Snopes back then. So you couldn't just, you know, is Jesus the Messiah? You couldn't just type it in a Google search engine. So you had people objectively verify these things. So when you look at the shepherds and the wise men, you got to understand, God specifically told the people that you wouldn't necessarily think of about the Messiah. Why? Because he's trying to let us know that God is pleased with all. He is waiting for you. See, you were there at Jesus' birth. 
You were in Jesus' heart during his ministry. Let me show you, let me show you this. Check out this verse. Now, this is John chapter 17 is an incredible chapter. I encourage you to go back and read the whole thing. The entire chapter is a very, very intimate prayer between Jesus and his Father God. And he's talking about all the different stuff, and you really get some insight into their relationship. But at one point, he says this at verse 20. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, these the 12, right, the ones right here with me, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who is that? You. You are specifically named in the Bible. Jesus, even during his earthly ministry, even in the midst of being the Jewish Messiah, was still thinking of you as well. You were there. You were there. You are the missing character of the nativity scene. And so my question to you this morning is, are you placing yourself there? Do you understand that God Almighty in his sovereignty, in his power, has reached out to you specifically? He has named you and he said, you don't have to be of a certain status. You don't have to, to, to even be you know, within the religious system. The sacrifice of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the the birth, death, and resurrection of the Son of God was for everyone. And he is well pleased with you. You. But here's the thing. You have a role to play. The door has been unlocked. The door has been opened. For you to receive salvation through Jesus. He's done everything imaginable, possible for you to have a personal one-on-one relationship with God Almighty. But there's one thing he can't do that only you can do. And that's walk through the door. He He doesn't take our legs and make us walk into the kingdom. But he's done everything else. Are are you placing yourself in the nativity scene? Do you see yourself in the heart of Christ? I want you, for the rest of this Christmas season, and and from here on out, every time you see a nativity scene, I want you to think, I was there. I was there. I'm, I'm the missing character. They didn't make a mold out of me. They didn't put me up on the table or in their yard or on the mantle. But I was there. I was in the heart of Jesus because he came for me. Amen? Let's stand for prayer.